Well, hello and welcome back to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give you the inside scoop on life in our church. I want to introduce you to our family life pastor and host for today, Carrie Jones. Welcome to another edition of Finding Our Way. It's a Southridge member podcast. And today I'm really honored to be having a conversation with Shelly Ball. If you don't already know her, um, Shelly and her husband Wayne are a part of our Southridge community and the Vineland location is home to them. So Shelly, it's so good to have you with us. Can you say hello to everyone listening? Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me, Carrie. Awesome. Hey, so before we get into uh, sharing your story, tell us a little bit about what your life is like um, during COVID, during these these lockdown days, and you know specifically, like what is bringing you joy? What is sustaining you in this season? Well, for me, um, I've been working from home, uh, so that's been a big adjustment working from home. And uh, for me, I've been really enjoying my morning times with God. That's been a really important time and uh, that's helped me greatly. And uh, mm-hmm. it's just been nice not to feel like I'm rushing out the door. Um, right. I'm just rushing downstairs <laughs> to get to work. <laughs> so I've really uh, enjoyed that time. I find um, it feels like I'm more in a, a natural rhythm and it's been good for me. Um, I've been... Uh, I find with COVID, I've been having more of a creative outlet. I've been painting pieces of furniture, um, redecorating Mm. a few areas of my home, getting a bit more creative. I bought myself a machine called a Silhouette Cameo. So I've been making some signs and t-shirts and things like that. Um, so that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do enjoy being creative. I haven't really had a lot of time for it, but COVID's kind of allowed me to do that. So that's been really fun. That's cool. I've kind of run out of furniture to paint. So (laughs) (laughs) I can send some over to you. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. Very cool. Well, can you, um, share with everyone listening, maybe just for those who don't know you a bit about your background you know, like maybe where you grew up, your family, your your career, um, that kind of thing. Okay. Well, I grew up in kind of rural Stony Creek. It used to be called Fruitland at the time. Um, I have three older siblings. My dad was a Baptist minister and my mom was a school secretary. And, um, and right now I have been working in uh, workplace health and safety for, well, a really long time. I think, uh, oh gosh, maybe almost 25 years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, my husband and I, we live in Vineland. When I married Wayne, uh, I guess 22 years ago, I moved to Vineland. And uh, we have three children. I have two stepchildren who are adults. And we adopted our son, Michael, when he was three and a half. And he's 17 now. So uh, yeah, so that's uh, great. And we are so blessed. We have three grandchildren, all, oh, under, wow. the, yeah, all under the age of, th- of two. Oh, so <laughs> I know it's so fun. Addison, Haley, and Weston. And uh, yeah, we just are loving, loving, loving being grandparents. So it's just, 
I just love it. Like when I go shopping, it's just like, I just want to buy for them all the time. It's, it's just, yeah, it's so much fun. We just feel so blessed to be grandparents. And it, that's probably been really hard with COVID is not being able to see them during those lockdowns and not being able to, sure. to bond with them during those times. So, you know, but cause yeah. they're so little, uh, but yeah, sure. It's been, it's been, sure. it's been pretty great being grandparents. And I'm sure hard for them as well, not to have the influence of grandparents in their lives. As yeah. Much, you know, like, I'm yeah, because so our, many, uh, yeah, sorry. I oh, was, no, just, yeah, I was going to say, because yeah, our daughter, Brianna and Josh, they live in Southampton. So it's three hours mm-hmm. away. So, but they're up in the, the green zone, I think now. So we were able to go and see them two weeks ago and, and see oh, the girls. Fun. Yeah. So it was wonderful. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so good. Yeah, it's so awesome. fun. Yeah. Well, so you, you've been in Vineland, you said 22 years? Yeah, 22 um, years. 22 years. Okay. And then can you share a little bit with us about how, you know, you and Wayne and Michael, how you found your way as a family to Southbridge? Yeah. Well, we were looking for a church. Uh, I guess, I don't know how long we've been coming to Southridge. I don't, I think it's about four years ago. We were looking for a church and we were looking for a church that had a program for Michael. He was at those kind of, kind of just those preteen years. And we knew we wanted to get him into a church that had a program for Michael. And mm. we literally live around the corner from the Vineland location. And um, yeah, that's right. yeah, and Wayne is like born and raised in Vineland. He's like the mayor of Vineland. He knows everybody, it seems. I don't know anybody <laughs> in Vineland, it feels like. And he's like, I've heard good things uh-huh. about Southridge. Let's try Southridge. I think they have a, you know, a junior youth program, which, you know, it's not called junior youth. It was called Riot. And let's give it a try. And it sure. just felt like a good fit for us. And, uh, and Mm. Michael, he's such a very social, sociable guy. And uh, he fit into the riot program really well. So yeah, it was just uh, a really nice fit for us. And like I said, it's literally around the corner from our house too. So yeah, and we joined oh, a small group. Well, yeah, we joined a small group, which okay. I think was a really good fit. It was led by uh, Carol and Rick Weirs. And uh, I think that mm. made a big difference for us. I miss that group a lot, actually. It, like we stayed in that group, I think, for almost two years, and uh, it was okay. wonderful. It was a really great experience. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. And so, I mean, you've alluded to it a little bit, uh, but what have you most appreciated about about the Southridge community since yeah. you, you've been around? I think for me, um. The small group was definitely really helpful because especially when you have three locations of a church, um, it's mm. kind of a little challenging to get your head around when you first come. And I, I wasn't like Wayne where I knew a lot of the people in the church. So mm. um, he kind of had an advantage in that way. I, I didn't know a lot of the people. Um, so being able to join a small group and, and getting to know a few people helped. Um, but for mm-hmm. me, I have to say, I think it's really the teaching ministry of Mike and Jeff. It, um, it's been probably a huge game changer for me spiritually. Um, it's mm-hmm. changed a lot about the way I think about God and changed how, um, it really challenged me and changed the way I thought about faith. 
And, you know, Mike, Mike Mm -hmm. talks a lot about um, being transformed to be like Jesus. And I don't know if I really Mm -hmm. had thought about that, about being transformed to Mm -hmm. be more like Jesus. And I think about that constantly now and that, that way of thinking. And um, yeah, I think it really, it did. I, I know it definitely changed me on a a faith level, a spiritual walk level. Um, Yeah, definitely. I think that's probably the biggest thing about going to Southridge is um, the messages and, and not leaving them, not leaving those messages when I got in the car in the parking lot or walked home, you know, it was that they stay with me and, uh, they, they've made a difference that God's really, the Holy Spirit's really used those messages to change me, I think. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, that's so cool. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, it's so great to have, have you as a part of our Southridge community. And I'm just thinking as we're talking, um, you know, even your role. So for those listening who, who might not know, Shelly is a part of our um, family ministry check-in team. So you're really like that, that first face for families on a Sunday yes. morning when, when uh, <laughs> even when... though I have like the worst memory of people's names, but anyways, <laughs> <laughs> but you're just so, so warm and inviting. So um... <laughs> it'll be really bad after COVID. So bear with me, everybody. What's your last name? <laughs> right. Right. There's be so many kids that we're not even going to recognize. They've grown so much. In, oh, that's in so true. Year. Oh, that's so true. Who are uh, you? Seriously. <laughs> Do you go to this church? <laughs> Seriously. Oh my goodness. Well, um, I want to dive into your, your personal story um, mm-hmm. and just really honored that, that you would share it with our community today. Can you take us back? I, I know that when you and I have talked, things really began to, um, I, I guess, like unfold for you about 15 years ago. Can you take us back to, mm-hmm. to that time and kind of what was going on and, and what happened and, mm-hmm. and share with us a little bit about that? Yeah, so about 15-ish years ago, my mom had, uh, who I was extremely close to, she was really was my best friend, um, she had a non, a huge non-cancerous tumor removed uh, from her brain. I think they said it was the size of a, a, a grapefruit. And she was in the hospital for several months and then in convalescent care. So, you know, as you can imagine, between my sister and I, we had basically been in the hospital and then in the convalescent care visiting her. So, you know, just to set it up for you, I was probably extremely exhausted at that point. And then behind mm-hmm. the scenes, you know, when I look back, I realize, you know, I was, I was also dealing with um, the fact um, that I wasn't going to be having any of my own children. And um, mm-hmm. uh, I was also dealing with uh, uh, two stepchildren who were in their teenage years, and I wasn't too popular with them at that stage. They, we have a great relationship now, but then they definitely weren't too thrilled with me. Sure. And um, my mom had finished up her convalescent care, and um, I had gone to her, and I, uh, I, I believe I had gone to pick her up, but I can't quite remember that detail. And um, she stood up, and she. Uh, she looked at me and she said to me, I, Shelly, I, I want to tell you that, um, I no longer want anything to do with you. I am not going to call you anymore. I don't want you to call me anymore. I don't want to spend time with you anymore. 
I'm not going to come to your home anymore. Uh, I, I'm done with you. I'm, I'm tired of all you kids. I'm tired mm-hmm. of your problems. Uh, I've decided that I'm going to make Tim Hortons my ministry. And mm-hmm. um, I, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm just done with you. You're, you're, you've exhausted me. I'm done with you. And, uh, Mm. you know, you might think, oh, that's just in the moment, but something in me told me that she really did mean it. And, uh, and she Mm. did, uh, she never called me again. She never came to my home again. And if I called her, it was a less than a minute conversation. And I, you know, maybe it was the surgery maybe it, it, she did eventually have uh, onset of dementia, but I, I lost my mom that day. She literally, she died that mm. day to me and, mm. uh, and, uh, something happened to me, uh, and, uh, uh, very soon, shortly after it was probably, I didn't know it then, but obviously it became like a time of intense loss, but I went into a very yeah. deep pit of depression and I didn't know that because I'd never wow. been seriously depressed before, but I went into a very, very, I can only describe it as a very dark pit of depression. Um, and uh, mm. it was a physical and psychological place that I would not want anyone to be in. And it was so intense and uh, it overwhelmed me. And I, I didn't know what to do. And I was kind of in shock that I was there because I'd never been there before. And I, uh, mm. I didn't know what to do. And it was, uh, it was, it was a hopeless, dark place. And, uh, and what made it kind of worse is I tried, I, I hid it. I hid it from my husband, Wayne. I hid it from everybody. And I tried to keep sure. going, and uh, but yet in, inside of myself and even physically, doing anything mm. uh, took so much energy because I was just, I was so, so, so depressed and so intensely exhausted and, and so, so sad. And, and, and what mm. I found out later, too, I didn't realize I was so angry, so angry. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that with us mm-hmm. um, and just allowing us, us to enter in. Um, yeah, you, you've described, you know, in a really tangible way what that what that pit felt like it and what that experience was like for you. Um, I guess I'm just wondering, like, how how long were you in that in that? Um, place for when did you finally you know reach out and share mm-hmm. what was going on with somebody was was there a a place or a time when all of a sudden you couldn't hide it anymore yeah it went on for months mm-hmm. it went on for months and months and uh I have to honestly say I was predominantly working from home but not really working and uh you know i was basically laying on the couch every day and then by the time i knew my husband was coming from work i'd kind of put myself together pretend i had it together and then eventually i'm like you know i don't have it together and i went to work one day for a meeting and um i kind of got into this very unusual little conflict with someone at work and i went into the bathroom and i just started bawling in the cubicle and i'm like what is what is wrong with me 
who is mm-hmm. this? I don't cry mm-hmm. at work. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. cry. And I went home and I told my husband and he's like, well, why? What's wrong with you? Nothing's wrong with you. You're doing great. You know, there's no problem. I'm like, well, I have been completely dishonest with you. I've been kind of living a lie with you. This is what's been going on. And uh, he said, well, I think you'd better go see our doctor. And that's what Mm -hmm. I did. And I I went and saw my doctor and uh, he said, well, do you have an EAP program? And that's what I did. I made an appointment with the counselor at the EAP. And -hmm. that was kind of my first initial steps. Uh, They weren't probably terribly helpful in the sense that, you know, you don't kind of get a lot of help, but you start to get help there. Um, okay. In the sense that um, I went to the EAP counselor, she agreed. I went to my doctor, he agreed. You're very depressed, Shelly. They both agreed. Mm-hmm. Uh, my doctor started me on an antidepressant. I did not want to take an antidepressant. I think that's a big thing that happens with people. We don't want sure. to take a medication. I was just reading that with someone recently on Facebook. She's seen uh, somebody. She for depression, she doesn't want to take medication. A lot of people are like that, but mm-hmm. I knew I had to start doing something. I knew this was a very serious problem I was in. Uh, I've never, I had never experienced anything like I was experiencing. So I started to take medication. I saw the EAP counselor. She told me I was in a place of deep loss over what had happened wow. with my mom. Um, sure. Uh, the thing with EAP counselors is they only go so far, you know, you, you're not because it's, it's paid through your employer. So you only go so far. Um, and then what my doctor said is you need some psychotherapy. You need to start getting some more help. Are you willing to do that? Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm a person I've come to realize I'm a person who's willing to do what needs to be done to get help. If you're a person who finds that difficult, that's very hard then to say, yes, I need help. Some people find that hard, yeah. uh, but mm-hmm. this is the thing with mental illness and mental health is you can't usually do it all on your own. You usually right. need help and you have to admit you need help and right. uh, people are there who will help you. And usually you need psychotherapists or counselors um, to help mm. support you along the way. And you definitely have to go to your family doctor. They may need to refer yeah. you to other specialists because a lot of family doctors right. can only do so much with medication. They have very limited understanding mm. of antidepressant medication, but you know, they can get you going. But um, yeah, mm. so I, I went to a psychotherapist and I can tell you a funny story. I went to her for several months and I thought I was doing just fabulous. And then finally, she says to me, well, finally, the walls are down. I'm like, what do you mean the walls are down? She goes, well, finally, you know, you're starting to share. She says, I have, I don't know if I've ever met anyone like you. I'm like, what do you mean by that? I said, I'm very open. She goes, you're one of the least open people I've ever met, Shelly. I'm like, I can't believe you're saying that about me. She goes, no, Shelly, you have so many walls around you. She go. She said that to me. She goes. Mm. You know. You find. It's finally. You're starting to really share. Finally, starting to get to some of what's really going on with you. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. Therapy's hard work. It's very uncomfortable. Oh my it's, goodness. It's not easy. Sometimes yeah. they start to tell you things you don't really want to hear. That was one of the things I didn't want to hear. 
I didn't want to hear I had walls up. I, I really thought I, was, <laughs> I thought I was doing so well in therapy. I really wasn't doing well because I really, I guess I, you know, I was just kind of saying, really wasn't getting into the nitty gritty of what was really going on in my mind and heart. And honestly, it, I find with therapy and what I have found with therapy is I've had to go many times back to therapy. It's not a, mm-hmm. it's not a one-time fix. Uh, I've had to go back sure. several times. And I think I probably need to go again. You know, that it, it, it's a, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you, you'll go and you'll resolve some issues. And then maybe you come up and you realize, you know what, there's something else I need to work on. God might bring another area mm-hmm. of, of uh, your life that maybe you need to address through therapy. Um, that it's maybe too much to okay. do on your own. And that's okay. I think we have to practice self-compassion and we have to be willing mm-hmm. to um, give ourselves grace the way God gives us grace mm-hmm. and to say, okay, yeah, all right. Well, then that's what I'll do. I can't do this all on my own. I need some guidance. I need some support. Mm-hmm. So Shelly, you've done some really hard, courageous work. Um, and it tried, (laughs) and it, it sounds like, you know, as you share your story, it's not just a one step, it's, it's step after step after step. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's been a journey. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can honestly say not with any pride though, that for most of my depression, I stayed, I got out of that pit, but I Uh stayed in a place of depression for most of the last maybe 12-ish years, I really struggled with my depression. How I describe my depression, I'm not going to describe other people's mental health this way, but my depression is like standing on the beach and Mm -hmm. the ocean touching my toes is my depression. I can never quite get away from it. It's always touching my toes. And sometimes... Mm -hmm. It's like a tsunami and that tsunami's coming at me and I can't escape it. And other times it's just the little ripples touching my toes, but I can right. never quite escape it. But uh-huh. I can honestly say though, in the last three years, my depression has been like the best it's ever been. And uh, that's why I feel like I can share today um, yeah. because I've kind of discovered a few things in the last Mm. few years that have given me hope with my Mm -hmm. mental health. And I feel I can give some hope to other people um, with my, with my story and with my journey. And, oh, Shelly, thank you so much for your willingness to, to do just that. Can you, can you share what began to shift a few years ago? Um, you know, as you mentioned, you, you feel like it will always be there, you know, like that ocean analogy right on the tips of your toes. Um, but you've, you've found hope in the Mm -hmm. midst of it and, and tell us about how you've encountered God in in all of that as well. Right. Well, a few years ago, uh, our home was in chaos. It was in chaos and, uh, uh, we couldn't get help for our son, Michael. And mm-hmm. I had been pleading for help from all the agencies from grade one to grade eight. And we were denied all those years. Mm-hmm. And finally, um, 
it was a miracle. It truly was an answer to prayer. It was a truly a miracle. My psychiatrist called one of the agencies and they finally agreed to give us help mm-hmm. at, in the early, um, early months of grade nine after denying services. Okay. And all those agencies ended up apologizing to me at a meeting for denying us services from grade one to grade eight. Wow. It was amazing. And, wow. um, and they agreed to give us services. And um, it was, it was a, a total miracle. And because of that, um, and because of getting involved in our family and in our lives, um, they were um, able to offer uh, our family and to Michael um, assistive living. And we were, mm-hmm. it was a very difficult decision, but we were able to transfer Michael to assistive living in grade nine. And as of this month, Michael has been in assistive living for two years. It was a very difficult decision. It was a very difficult move for Michael. But in the end, it's the best thing that's happened to Michael. And and it's been good for us too. Because of that, God has performed some very significant miracles in my own healing and showing me that I wasn't a failure as a mom. Um, that I, mm. I did do good things for Michael and that, mm. um, that, um, you know, they're just, there were, there are certain moments that I totally knew God was removing, um, weights that had yeah. been on my shoulders as I had been parenting him. And yeah. as, as I really, Wayne and I are now empty nesters. And because of that, I, had this now time. And because of all that chaos, I had been kind of thrown into a, de- a depressive time in my life. I was kind, I was in a very bad place. All mm. It was not a good time. Mm-hmm. And he was, he had been moved into the uh, assistive living. And I said to my, said to myself, I'm not in a good place. Mm-hmm. Um, I have more time. I'm going to I'm going to get help. I'm going to go back to therapy and I'm going to get serious and change my walk with God. I'm going to okay. yeah, I'm going to change how I do my walk. And I started having morning time with God and I started getting more into God's word mm-hmm. and I started spending more time with God in prayer. And as I did that and stopped having a passive walk with God mm-hmm. and started having a more active walk with God, something changed in me. God did, and I'm not healed from depression. I still have depression, but sure. something pivoted or changed in me as the years have, the last few years have gone, where I sense that. Um, the the sense of hopelessness that I had in my depression, it's it's gone. Like I I sense God telling me, um, mm-hmm. and showing me that I am here for you, Shelley, and that um, it's like the song, you know, Waymaker. He's our Waymaker, miracle yes. worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Yes. It's like that song says, and that's what he's become to me, and. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 
if I sense that I'm starting to go into that kind of depressive thinking, the spiraling, the thinking that happens with depression, I'm able to, with God's strength, grab onto a, a, a piece of scripture or um, word of God and stop it. And I've mm. never been able to do that before. I've, I've never been able to stop the, the spiraling thinking. And right. I'm, that's never, and that doesn't happen overnight, but I think it's just for me, it's been, it's being able to see that even though life is very difficult at times and you can be in the midst of chaos, that God, the God of the Old Testament is still the God now and he can perform miracles. He mm. is the God of light. He is the God mm. of hope. And it's not magic though. Like I was reading this week, when God says he's the God of light, that doesn't mean he just you know, which he could do, just magically shine the light. What that I think means is you have to be willing to, which I wasn't willing to do in the initial stages of therapy, is it means you have to be willing to open up those areas of your life that you've mm. kept under darkness. Right. Those areas of my life that I didn't want others to see, and I really didn't even want me to see, those areas of loss or areas mm. of dysfunction, maybe from growing up, and open them up to God's light and have mm. restoration in, and healing in those areas. Mm -hmm. And wow, that's what God's willing to do for me. And that's what he's willing to do for other people. Because I think a lot of mental health issues are as a result of often um, a reaction to maybe trauma or loss or with like COVID-19, just too mm. much too much stuff and, sure. and we're reacting to that and we can only handle so much. So we go into a depression and I don't mean a, a down sure. day. I don't, I don't mean that. I mean, depression where you can't climb out of it. And God's saying, I'm, yeah. I'm willing to go there with you. There's hope for you, but you have to be willing to partner mm -hmm. with God. You have to be willing to, right. to partner and get help. You have to be willing to go to your family mm -hmm. doctor. You have to be willing to consider medication, mm -hmm. maybe temporarily, or maybe like me, permanently. Seek help. Ask, mm -hmm. are there any, like I did recently, uh, a couple of years ago, I went to Rick's Weirs. I said, Rick, are there any good Christian therapists that you know of? And I started to go. Um, and then you have to right. be willing to do the work. And sometimes it's hard. It's uh -huh. hard to do that work, but yeah. you know, in the end, it's worth it. And you honestly start to feel like a healthier mm. person inside. Yeah. Oh, Shelly, that's so beautiful. I I love the wisdom that you shared. I'm thinking especially of of, you know, uh someone who's listening to this podcast and, and might be, you know, identifying with your story and wondering like, what are some next steps I can take? And those right. are really, really good practical steps. Um, whether it's to talk to your doctor, talk to your pastor, right. Share it with a friend. Um, and like you said, to be willing to do whatever work is required right. of you because it's different. Right. I would imagine for everybody. I really think so. And I think that's the challenge with mental health is what medication might work for me is might mm -hmm. not be the medication that works for you. 
Right. And I know um, from someone in my family, um, you know, they'll they'll start a medication and then he, th- that person would go off that medication and then they'd go back on. You really mm-hmm. can't do that with medication either. Um, you know, you really have to follow the doctor's orders. Um, mm-hmm. And keep in mind with medication is you might have to try several. And that's right. that's very discouraging process. Um, and I think too, with any health issue, and if you've never had a health issue, whether it's physical or not, you have to be your own advocate. And that's really hard when you're feeling Mm -hmm. mentally in a bad place. Sure. So it's hard to be your own advocate when you're too tired to want to be your own advocate. Sure. Um, so if you are finding it hard to be your own advocate with your doctor, you might want to have someone help you be that advocate. Mm -hmm. That's good wisdom. Right. I'm also thinking about somebody, Shelly, who is listening to this conversation Mm -hmm. and maybe they're not struggling with mental health, but maybe they love somebody who is. Right. So, um, what, what are some, what would be helpful for them to know Mm -hmm. and, and what do they want to avoid doing? Right. Well, try to avoid the kind of, you know, those positive euphemisms of, you know, just stay positive. You'll get over it. Time heals all wounds. Oh, I really hate that saying. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. try, try to avoid those things. Um, I understand what people mean by those things. But when you're in a bad place, uh, those, don't, yeah. those don't help. Um, also, um, I think that uh, I didn't really have a lot of people around me, um, which might have been my own fault. I think that's part of the problem with mental health is maybe you push people away. But mm. if you're if you if you are a loved one of someone who's going through a difficult time, I think the best thing that you can do is actually, is love them, is love Mm -hmm. them and, um, reassure them that you do love them. Mm -hmm. And, um, and don't assume because you had a bad day or assume that because you've had an anxious day that you actually understand what they're going through. Because if you haven't really gone through a mental health crisis, you probably really haven't experienced Mm. what that person's experiencing so either you could either ask if they could um give you some direction as to how you know what could you what what do they need from you or Mm -hmm. just minister them or give them just let them know in other ways that you love them i just think if someone had have been able to come beside me and hold my hand and sit with me right? Um, or just meet me for a coffee and just let me know that they love me. Right. The ministry of presence. The ministry of presence. Right. Um, Without needing to fix or solve anything. Right. Because let's yes. face it, 
you can't fix or solve that situation for that person. You really sure. can't. You you want to do that for that person. Of course, we want to fix it for that person. Of course, we want to solve it. But you sure. really can't. You can't do it. But you can love that person and encourage and support them. So to 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 text them, you know, um, that you love them, not constantly, how are you? How are you? How are you? You know, because that's, mm. that's just kind of putting them on the spot, I think, but to love them. Um, I think mm-hmm. not maybe don't overly do it with Bible verses. I think that can be a bit uh, too much. But but to sure. just remind them of, of that you love them, that you're there for them. Uh, to drop off, mm-hmm. to drop off something, just to remind them. Um, yeah. I think too. Right. So, so don't pull away. Actually, don't lean pull in. away. Lean in. Lean in. Yeah, because okay. I think you know we 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 do lean back because we. It's not that we're scared. We just don't know what to do. And when you lean sure. away, you feel from, uncomfortable. Of course, we're uncomfortable. And in that discomfort. Mm-hmm someone who's in a mental health situation, they see you lean back. Of course they know it, right? Whether it's literal or figurative, they see you leaning <laughs> back and then they're like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. Then, then in, when you're in a mental health crisis and they see that you've leaned back, then they think you don't love them. Well, that's like the kiss of death, really. Right. It's right, like, well, now right. you, you, what friend are you? What family member are you? You don't love me. Then you've actually just brought that depression to an even lower state. You've actually sunk right. that person to a deeper level of depression, which is very scary or a deeper level of anxiety or whatever is going on, which is mm. a very dangerous thing to do. It really is a dangerous mm. thing to do. Okay. That's good wisdom. Mm-hmm. I mean, Shelly, what I love about this, this conversation, um, and I mean, uh, we're, we're going to wrap it up now. I feel okay. like we could easily talk for another hour because yes. um, there's just so much beauty and truth and wisdom in what you're sharing. And it's just such a timely conversation for us right, right. now. Um, especially, you know, coming through a year of a pandemic, Oh um, yeah. when, you know, we're, we're just seeing so much of, um, of this very conversation around mental health, especially I think among our youth is just right. on the rise. And I, I feel like as a church, we, we've never needed to talk about this more and we right. really need to normalize this for people and give people some right. practical um, tools and steps as to how they can support and walk alongside loved ones. So right. I, I love that you shared your story with us. I, I love that you've entered us into um, all of the emotions and the angst of, of what that experience was like for you, as well as the steps that you took and and the ways that you found hope, and even how you shared that it's an ongoing journey. And yes, all of that has just been so important, important and so impactful. Um, and so, Shelley, I just want to thank you. you. You know, your message of honesty and hope is just beautiful. And we're just incredibly grateful to have entered into your story today. So thank you for your courage, your vulnerability. And I honestly believe you have made us stronger and healthier as a community as a result of this conversation. So thank you so much. Thank you, Carrie. Yeah, I just hope that um, that my story helps each other as a community in Southridge that, you know, mm-hmm. we can inspire each other to um, learn from each other and build each other up and that 
Um, you know, mental health is just like other, any other health issue. And um, we need to encourage each other to find solutions and mm -hmm. um, that you can have restoration and that you can get better and uh, that we need to help each other in that and, uh, and support each other in that. It's very important. Oh, thanks, Shelley. That's so good. Well, everyone, thanks so much for listening. That's all for now. We really appreciate you engaging with us today. We'll see you next week as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everyone. Thank you.